0: Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate
1: life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. This week, we started off talking about some of my struggles especially at work with people being out sick, and then also just having family visit for prolonged periods of time and looking for ways to just do the work and do inquiry so that we can be peaceful with ourselves around our family and not be so triggered, especially I think as Asian kids.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we dived a little bit into the word failure. and why it actually has a very negative connotation, but probably should be a good thing and probably something that we should be looking forward to do in a way. Yeah. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Startup Struggles Podcast
1: with me, Sean Lee. I'm James Park. And this is episode number 14. It is. Well, 14 weeks. That's That's pretty good. Three and a half months. That's pretty good. (laughs) Just for any listeners... We typically just riff and then at the end, we'll sum it up and then stitch it in the beginning so that you can get a taste of it before you dive in. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess this week I'll start, James. A couple of things in my life happening that are causing me some struggles. It's kind of a blessing, obviously, that my family is visiting, but it does add new dynamics to the household. Now that we have eight people in the house, (laughs) Mm -hmm. seven adults and a child and two cats. So 10 living creatures across three generations. And part of it is because I, I think there's a lot of things that I wanted to do with the house. We've been here for seven months now, and there's still a lot of undone things like furniture that needs to be bought and whatnot. And so that obviously is is good. It's a blessing that we can do these things, but at the same time we are in the midst of fundraising with Clever Round up our 750 to a million dollar pre-seed round. But luckily, we've have over half of it committed already, actually hit the bank. So, wow, we're okay. <laughs> good congrats. Thank you. Thank you. And that's kind of what's been big on my plate, but what I've also been struggling with is just The nature that, you know, it's beginning of the the year or post holidays and people are sick, people have COVID. We have team members that didn't get COVID, but they got the COVID booster shots and then they didn't feel well for two or three days and, you know, other things come up. And so, on one hand, like I think on my side, on my operations side, I feel a little shorthanded and it does bother me a little bit, right? Because I don't have much support. I'm 100% focused on fundraising, investor relations. And so that's something I've had to just accept. It, it's so funny, you know, because Archie was apologizing for, for being out and whatnot. And I, I mean, was I upset? I was not upset at him. I was upset at the situation. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I've been talking to the podcast host as well on, on the front end for biz, dev and sales. And there's nobody to follow up and I don't have time to follow up. And so I was like, man, this, this really sucks. I can't get mad at him, you know, because I wouldn't be loving what is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally wouldn't be loving what is. And I, I've done the inquiry a couple of times when these moments hit me. And not only did it help me get through the struggle, where I asked, uh, what did I ask myself? I said, I have very little patience lately because there's so much shit going on, mm-hmm. but I can only love what is. That's why I told him. <laughs> Which is that you're not feeling well. Like there's nothing I can change about that. I and we are building an organization, a company where we care about people's well beings. Yeah. And frankly, there is never a good time to be sick. (laughs) I thought about it. I think this is part of my inquiry process. I remember now. Where I said, Is this really the worst? Is it true that this is the worst time for team members to be sick? And I was like, No, (laughs) it's not true because there is no good time in a startup's life. I was thinking back to the past six months, like, when was there a better time for anybody to be sick or to be out, right? And frankly, when people were out before, as it has happened, we got through it. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality, is that people will be out, things will happen like this. And
0: the next time, maybe we try to build some contingency around it. Yeah. Right? I mean, at the time, it probably felt like it's the end of the world. But thinking in hindsight, it was fine. Things just went on. Yeah. And so, you know, what I then encourage is just
1: like, look, we can only love what is because that that's really the right mindset because then I, I was able to really get myself out of that negative spiral and say, hey, you know, stress and worry won't heal you any quicker, right? Mm-hmm. Then I can start sending some positive messages. Like, hey, don't, don't worry about it, right? Yeah. And then we send him some food. <laughs> we send him some nice. chicken wings. He loves chicken wings. But this is just one of those examples where... He was really apologetic and he felt really bad. And I just said, what did he say? He said, I appreciate you being understanding and patient. I said, well, th- there's really no other way. According to Loving What Is, you know, me trying to believe or think any other thought would not bring me any peace. Yeah. And I, I love that question is, can you think of a peaceful reason to continue thinking this thought or believe in this thought, this idea? Yeah, that's what she said. Right? And I ask myself that question a lot lately. And if there isn't, then I'm just like, why hold on to it? Right. And I said me being this the last part. I said me being upset won't change the reality. Right. It's not gonna make you unsick.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's nothing he can actually do. It's not like he can get better miraculously. Yeah. Feeling guilty of being sick doesn't help either. Nope. You just don't relax. And if anything, you might just lengthen how sick you feel. Exactly.
1: If I want to be selfish about it, I'm just like, dude. If you want to be selfish about it, be nice about it. Because then your team members will heal faster and get back to work. If <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You get upset at them and berate them or like make them feel guilty or feel bad and make them feel stressed out. It's just going to make it worse. Yeah, And then you're going to feel even worse. And then where does that lead? Both of you, right? Nowhere. Nothing really gets done anyways. But it does take a lot of inquiry. It took a lot of inquiry for me to get out of this. Because when I freak out or when I have panics about these types of situations, like, you know, why don't I hire someone else to make sure that there's backup, Mm -hmm. right? But then is that really the solution? Because then I have to make sure I have 40 hours of work for that other person. Right, yeah. Sure, it's a solution, a potential solution, but also creates new problems for me. And if both people go out at the same time, that still doesn't... (laughs) What do I have, like 100 people on the roster just to make sure somebody's around when, you know? All substitute teachers waiting. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think that was one of my biggest struggles this past week was just working through my own emotions about the story that I was telling myself that look, the world's like it's gonna come to an end, like things need to be moving, right? They're not moving, like our business is gonna collapse. Like just all these stories that I Mm -hmm. kept telling myself. I think part of the reason, just being completely honest. That I tell myself these stories is also as a form of distraction from what I actually need to be doing. It's a form of procrastination, I, I think, for myself at least. Because there's so many other big things that I need to get done. And I think I had some emotional fear. We talked about this before. Procrastination is fear, is driven by fear because you're yeah. you made a mountain out of a molehill. And so emotionally you're just like, I, I can't handle this right now. Yeah. Right. And so I think the escape for me was just go try to find some other problems for me to blame versus blaming myself and holding myself accountable. And I think this is one of those examples that actually Katie Byron talks a lot about. And I, I see a lot with myself, with, with Mink, and I, we talked about this before, in that when she comes home after a long day and she's not in a good mood mm-hmm. and I'm bothered by it, I'm actually not bothered that she's in a bad mood. I'm actually bothered because I'm in a bad mood.
0: <laughs> and yeah. she's
1: not there to cheer me up. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm already having a long, shitty day. And Now I have to go cheer up. Like, I'm actually bothered by me. But we try to project our own shit onto other people and say, why aren't you, like, in a good mood? And then telling stories like, why do you carry work home, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, why do you carry that stuff? It's like... Is it true that people are not supposed to carry stuff home? Is it true that people are able to just completely cut themselves off and be devoid of emotions of what happened throughout the day? Like, no, (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) And then this inquiry just really pulled me back inside myself. It's like, oh, maybe I'm having a shitty day. Like, I had a long day. And I'm just trying to blame it on her. Versus saying like, hey, check yourself first. Right, right. Going back to the whole team member thing, it's like, Maybe I'm just, I'm really bothered. Not maybe. I know. I was really bothered by my own overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And again, just trying to blame it on other people and saying, that's why I'm overwhelmed. Because you're not there. That's why I'm overwhelmed. No, I'm overwhelmed because I'm overwhelmed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I don't want to own up to it. And so this is where inquiry has really helped
0: me at least work through this so that I can at least function. Right. And for listeners who are wondering What is Inquiry? We're going back to the book, Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And she has a series of questions, four questions, and she calls it either doing the work or the inquiry mode. And my takeaway from hearing you, Sean, talking about this is almost the inquiry is a way for you to step out of your thoughts, to kind of view your thoughts from a outside point of view to help you understand and separate The feelings that you get while having these being overwhelmed or being angry or trying to procrastinate, you step away from that and can distinguish thought versus how you're feeling. And then these questions, Mm -hmm. which is, is it true? Can I absolutely know? Is it true? How do I react when I think about that thought? Who would I be without that thought? These help you kind of decipher and go through these, I guess, emotions and help you to separate yourself from it and realize that it's just a thought. Did I say that right?
1: Absolutely. And I think to take that a level deeper too, kind of listening to you say it, it helped me realize that in the scenarios I just described, I think what makes us feel trapped is when we buy into these stories that we tell ourselves. But these stories are about other people trying to put the blame or shift the blame onto other people, right? But the problem is you can't change other people. You can't change other people's situations you know, Archie can't just instantly feel better, mm-hmm. right? If I keep buying that story, I feel helpless. Yeah. Versus saying like, hey, actually, Sean, it's you. Or hey, you know, it's not Mink coming home in a bad mood. It's you being home with a bad mood. Mm-hmm. You can change. Like changing ourselves is within our control. So then I think this reframing helps put that control back in your hands. Like, hey, it's you. And not saying you have to change, but at least you have that
0: sense of agency that you can do something about it. Right. It's this weird thing where all of a sudden it helps you accept the situation as it is now. Mm -hmm. And it gives you the ability to to kind of move on and actually think about what you can do about it. Like, oh, all right. Well, I am upset that someone is sick. Should I be angry? Yeah, I guess that's okay. What can I do about it? And you kind of go from there. Like, well, if I just stay angry, what does that do for me? Nothing. Like, all right, if I'm not angry, what do I do? Oh, I just go do the next thing that I had to take care of. And it just helps you kind of move along and get past the thoughts and the emotions. Loving what is has been really helpful. I can think back to when I was working at companies and when I get an email from a team member who said, I'm sick, I can't come into work today. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? It's just like the end of the world. Yeah, and just hearing you talk about someone being sick, I'm just like, I can't even imagine what it'd be like during COVID. It would be so hard. But knowing this book now, I probably have reacted very differently and just I'm like, okay, like, they're sick. Things can wait. It's not the end of the world. Everything will be fine. <laughs> what can we do about it, Right. If we have the
1: bandwidth pick up some of that slack, we will. If we don't, then we can't. Yeah. That's just it. The other thing is is just, I think, I don't know if it's an Asian thing, I don't know if it's just a universal thing with parents, but communication, right? Communication is mm-hmm. hard. Especially, I think, for us, considered... I'm technically first-gen, but I'm really second-gen. You're 1.5. I wasn't born here, but might as well have been born here. Yeah, But there's just that language barrier of communicating with our parents. That's the other big struggle that to uh, work through this week was just understanding that, hey, like me being reactionary to what things that they say is really in large part based off of story that I tell myself. That like, hey, like my parents are trying to judge me, that my parents are trying to control me, or my parents are trying to dictate what I should or should not do. And then immediately brought me back to Byron Katie's first story. Like, yeah, Are parents not supposed to judge? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Are humans not supposed to judge? <laughs> yeah, right? Are parents not supposed to give their opinion and tell you what to do? Do you not try to tell other people what to do? Yeah. <laughs> right? But it's like, we tell ourselves a story that we have to listen. If we don't, we're being disrespectful. But that's a story I'm telling myself. Is that the scenario? Maybe, maybe not. But how do I work through that? So I'm, I'm still doing
0: inquiry on that part. It's still a work in progress. Yeah, my parents are here too. They've been here for almost three weeks now and they're here for another couple weeks. And yeah, Byron Katie's first story about how that guy, he's on stage and he's like, oh, my parents judge me. And she's just like, welcome to earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Humans are supposed to judge. And I was like, oh. He's like, do you not judge your parents? I'm like, oh. And it really makes you think and turn things around and, and be like, man, this is just common behavior. How do I expect... Yeah someone else not to behave this way when they're humans. The closer we are to someone, when it's friends or family, the more pressure you put on them to be almost, again, like what you were saying earlier, like this projection of what you imagine them to be or what you're expecting them to be. And Mm -hmm. the moment you're doing that, the moment you're telling a story and projecting it to a friend or a partner or your parents, sibling, that relationship is going to struggle because Mm -hmm. that's not who they are, right? And you're trying to make them be. Yeah, you're you're fighting reality. Yeah, the reality is that they are human.
1: (laughs) Yeah, as she says, you know, you're trying to make a a cat bark. Right. That's, That's just absurd. And the more we can accept reality, the more we'll be at peace with ourselves and the people around us, and the more they'll be at peace, I believe. That's not the end goal, (laughs) as she says, because that would be more expectations. But it's just being at peace with yourself. I think it has a lot of positive effects,
0: butterfly effects. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Going off of that, being at peace with yourself. So I had a pretty good conversation with my brother this past week. I was kind of telling him my difficulty right now on why I'm struggling so much on going back to a corporate job. You know, I had this chance to go work at a company or work with family. And I'm very hesitant to do both. And I couldn't actually figure out why. And my brother was like, you know why? It's because it feels like you're settling. You're settling for these types of jobs. And I was like, oh, I never really thought about that. And because I have been afraid, I guess, to fail at so many things. And this is something that I haven't been at peace at with myself is I'm actually extremely competitive and I hate losing. And because I hate losing so much, I would rather not try to do something because then it doesn't feel like I'm losing. Do you see that? Like, do I don't know if you do that or other people do that too. It's like... I do that. Right? It's like you don't try something because you think that if you're not going to win at it, then you don't do it and in that way, you're not losing. But I think what's interesting is that... I want to believe
1: that everybody has this aspect in them because there are definitely things that we choose not to do, right? Because of that idea, right? that concept. But it's interesting that you've applied it to work, to career. Because for me personally, I've limited it. That idea, that belief, I limited it to just StarCraft, for example. Hmm. I want to play StarCraft so bad, but I'm not going to because I just know all those Koreans have like, tens of thousands of hours under their belt of practice. Like, I'm not going to practice. So I'm just not going to play it, right? If I'm going to play, I'm going to play against bots. <laughs> yeah. okay. But what I'm trying to get at is I've limited it to that scope of, of things where I don't play sports. I don't play well, competitive sports, at least. I don't play any competitive video games like Call of Duty and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I know I can't win.
0: I'm not going to try. Yeah. Why do you apply to work? That's what I've been trying to figure out for the last few days. Is I don't know if it's something about, actually, I do know. It's because I have this expectation of myself to have done something great or to be recognized for something. And I thought it was going to be through work. And I thought that maybe, I don't know why, I had this envision of myself that I would be a very successful CEO or some amazing manager who had helped thousands of people make better with their lives. And I don't know, I had these like unrealistic expectations for myself very early on. I don't know where it comes from. And because I never got there, and as much as as hard as I had tried, and I, I probably put in a lot of the effort in the wrong way. And maybe if I continued putting in that effort, eventually it would have panned out. But because I felt like I failed, I don't want to go back into that world because I feel like a failure. And this is where I also started to do inquiry on myself. And where it's really been helpful is because as I thought like, oh, my career is a mess. I haven't done or achieved anything. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. And I was like, wait, what am I doing? And so I started this. It's the first time I ever stopped myself mid-thought and did inquiry. I was like, all right, is this true? Am I... Absolutely a failure. Am I absolutely a loser? I was like, at first, I was like, yes, people think it. And then I was like, no. Yeah. Is it true that you're not supposed to fail? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, this is a trick with inquiry for any listeners who are going to try this. It's not going to be perfect at first. You're going to ask mm-hmm. a lot of questions that it's not going to work. Like Sean mentioned last week, that a big part of doing inquiry is being able to generate the right question for yourself. hmm. And so for me, it was, oh, is it true that I'm supposed to, that I'm a failure? I'm like, and eventually it went down to like, is it true that I'm not supposed to fail? I was like, no, like that's normal. And several episodes ago, we talked about core values and how both of our core values, one of them was like learning. And the only way to learn is actually, you're going to have to fail at multiple things to learn how to do something. It's just a natural part of growth. And for some reason, for us in society, we don't talk about failure very often. You know, the word failure is just very negative. I can't help but think very negative things about it, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you failed. You're a failure. But in fact, it should actually be a very positive thing. We should try to fail at something almost every day in a sense that then we're going to be learning something every day.
1: I just have to look it up. According to Oxford Dictionary, the first definition is lack of success. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> the second definition is the omission of expected or required action. That's all it is. The definition isn't end of the road, dead end.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Or like utter destruction and collapse.
0: <laughs> it's just lack of success. That's it. Yeah. Or like non-occurrence. The It's apparently origin mid-17th century, originally as failure in the sense of non-occurrence. Yeah. So it's something literally that doesn't occur. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, you
1: can think of it like that. How I thought of it was the omission of expected or non-occurrence, right? I think about it. It just means what you expected to happen hasn't happened yet. (laughs) That's it. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. It's not actually an end. So I did this Accenture talk. I was invited to do like a speaker series talk last night for Accenture. And someone asked me in the Q&A section, like, oh, what do you do when you reach a dead end? And I just like lit up. I just laughed. I was like, that is such an interesting question. I don't don't see anything as a dead end. I was like, well, okay. So one thing is I, I asked for help, right? Then I cited this thing that I first heard from Tony Robbins. And he said, you know, if you have two options, it means you have no options. You have to have at least three options three choices to have optionality right and so i was like well if i reach a dead end it just means i haven't fully explored my options i think because typically dead end is just like there's nowhere to go forward i can go back right that's like Mm -hmm. what if there are side paths that we just have to explore so talking to other people helps and all this stuff but what i'm trying to get at here bringing back to the word failure is i think that's like the same kind of mental obstruction is that we think failure is an endpoint versus the definition of failure is just, you haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you're still on
0: the journey. Keep going. <laughs> just keep going. Yeah. Just do the next thing. Yeah. Right? That's all it is. Yeah. You know what failure
1: is? If we're driving, you made the wrong turn. Get back on the road. Yeah.
0: It's making you turn, go the other way.
1: That's failure. That is literally the definition of failure. I love it. <laughs> I never looked it up before. Lack of success. <laughs> a mission of expected. Now, what did you find? It was
0: non-occurrence.
1: non-occurrence. <laughs> it just hasn't happened
0: yet. But whatever you expected to happen hasn't happened yet. That's it. Yeah. So just keep going. Just keep going. That's interesting. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. to think that it's a lot of our thoughts, our predetermined thoughts, are just things that someone in our time, had made up and it just kind of stuck in our heads. Like failure is bad. Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe it's because when you first hear, what for me, when I first heard fail, it's like through school, Mm. right? You get a freaking F on your test. You're like, you fail. That's a fail. That's right. That is a first occurrence. Wow. It's like pass fail. I didn't get past this class. So everyone thinks that it's such a bad thing. And maybe that's where it kind of stems from. Mm. It's why we think it's such a negative thing. And everyone's like, oh, I don't want to fail. Mm. And this is the thing about school is that when you fail, there's this added connotation, this meaning
1: that you get held back.
0: Yeah, but that's not it. You just haven't passed yet. You just haven't gotten where you need to go. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of it stems too from this idea
1: of comparison. It's like, well, James passed it. I didn't get there. But then we start believing that we'll never catch up. We'll never get there right because James is ahead of me right but why are we comparing like this is the other message i was giving last night was certain roadblocks that prevent you from personal growth is this constant comparison to other people like people have always said like the only competition is really yourself matthew mcconaughey i remember one of his like Oscar speeches that i loved was just saying like oh he's always competing
0: with himself in the future he says that in his book uh, green light mm. have you listened to his book i have not It's an audio book that he made. I loved it. I've already listened to it maybe three or four times. It's just good. It's very... I wanted to say the word motivational, but I don't think it's motivational. It's just a really good book to listen to, to put me in lighter spirits. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: I forgot that he said this word. Life is a series of commas, not periods. There you go. That's awesome. I'm trying to find his quote where he talks about competing with themselves. I think someone was asking, him was like, oh, so are you a hero? And he said, I was like, no, not even close. No, no, no. She said, why? I said, because my hero is me at 35. So you see every day, every week, every month, and every year of my life, my hero is always 10 years away. I'm never going to be my hero. I'm not going to attain that. I know I'm not. And that's just fine with me because that keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. That's really interesting. Yeah, And I think this really circles back to a lot of things we've been talking about the past couple episodes that like, we are supposed to be somewhere. Like, no, <laughs> we are supposed to be exactly where we are. Because How do I know that? Because we're here. As Katie would say, you're right here. You're Exactly where you are supposed to be.
0: Yeah. So if anyone is really wondering, what the hell am I doing? Where am I going? I'm supposed to be here. I should have done this. I could have done that. I mean, those thoughts are all, they're all very real. And it's okay to have them. Mm-hmm. And the next thing is just to do the next thing. Yeah. I feel like that's so anticlimactic, right? You feel like there's supposed to be this aha window of time or aha moment that's going to be all inspirational and give you purpose in life and make you want to get up every single day and do stuff. Yeah, but doesn't that always happen in hindsight though, James? If you think really think back, does that actually happen? Yeah, it's probably hindsight. It's just the work that you put in every day. That (laughs) eventually… Yeah, something magical happens. You're like,
1: oh yes, I'm like more motivated to do more of this now.
0: Yeah. If we want our lives to change, we think that we had to change something either about our past or do something different in the future. The only way to change something, the only way to get something different is by doing the different thing right now. And change happens in hindsight, right? Because no matter what we want to do, if we think that like, oh, I should be doing this, I could be doing this, I should have done that. These are all things that we can do right now. You're absolutely right. Change happens in hindsight. I like that a lot. Because
1: only if you take the next step, like right now, we're standing here. You take the next step, then you can be like, oh, I traveled 12 inches in this direction.
0: It's the only way,
1: right? Yeah. I think the fallacy is like, at least in my head is like, we believe we're supposed to get a sign or somebody is supposed to tell us, hey, where do you take the next step? It's like, no, you take the next step
0: and then you reorient. Yeah, you just adjust as you go. That's how it works. <laughs> it's weird though, even knowing that or talking about this, swallowing that pill is very difficult because it's almost like you have to, you have to do it every day. You have to do the work every single day. And you said this last week, there are days where you won't do the work. There are days where you will do nothing. And instead of being guilty about it, just know that that's what you're supposed to do because you did it, because you're doing it. And I think that mentality has helped me a lot. Maybe relax a little bit more. You know, I went golfing twice this past weekend with my parents, and my brother. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything else. It was really great. The first day I felt super guilty because I was like, oh man, I didn't write. I didn't do anything like productive. But... Man, I worked on my swing, got to hang out with my parents, my brother, spent majority of the time outdoors in the sun. Yeah. What a good day. And I remember thinking this, this morning, that for the first time in a long time, I was like, I feel kind of relaxed. Hmm. I feel recharged. That's good. And remember, I, I was telling you a couple of weeks ago, dude, I don't actually ever feel recharged. I don't know how to recharge. Mm-hmm. But somehow… Over this weekend, I didn't do any of the particular things that I think I should do when I'm trying to recharge. In fact, I think golfing is somewhat stressful for me because it's so freaking hard <laughs> and I'm so bad. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, I was like, oh, I feel pretty good. Yeah. I think when those situations
1: come up, because you were talking about you don't like to fail, right? Is to ask yourself, like, am I supposed to be good? <laughs> is it true that I'm supposed to be good?
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right question.
1: Because it's like... Have you been practicing every single day? Like Colin Morikawa, like one of the youngest golfers. He came out of Berkeley. Oh, should I be as good as him? Yeah. 24 years old. He's been playing golf his entire life. Yeah. That's what he does day in, day out. He's played more golf now than I've been alive. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's not true, but kind of. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, I don't expect myself to swim as good as Michael Phelps. Yeah. He's literally a
0: fish. Yeah. Can you swim better than a fish? No. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. Week 14 was a pretty good conversation. And this is us now signing out. My name is James Park. And I'm Sean Lee. And thank you for tuning in this week. See y'all.